Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 20. I am Michael Citro from TheMainland.com, and uh, joining me is Kevin Mercer. Kevin, what's going on tonight, buddy? Not a whole lot. Just a beautiful evening in Orlando, Florida. And they're all beautiful evenings when you're sitting in a playoff spot um, so far. Let's knock on wood right there. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a precarious so we have playoff a- Thought, so <laughs> that's that's right. They're all precarious these days. I mean, there's there's a lot of parity in MLS, and MLS has worked very very di- very diligently to get that parity in place. And uh, quite a bit of things to talk about this week. Obviously, we're going to start with the recap of the Real Salt Lake. Uh, we'll call it a game. It was kind of a debacle, but we'll call it a game. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Orlando City going out west, playing at 10 p.m. Eastern time. You know, that does a lot to the the internal clocks of these finely tuned athletes, and uh, they go out and halfway through the game, of all people, Kaká gets a red card, thrown out of the game, and uh, Orlando City uh, valiantly fights for a road point. Uh, yet another good result on the road, and yet another good result against the Western Conference. What is your overall take on the match? Well, I think you know the the, the red card dominates the game, but I think you. Let's not forget the uh, the early goal from Kaká. It was a brilliant, brilliant goal. Um, what I've really been waiting to see him do all year is that kind of masterful touch of the ball that just isn't going to, you know, no one in, in MLS is going to stop that every night of the, of the year, you know. Um, so I think that was a, a positive, is that, that goal, and just seeing him score from open play and seeing him play very well, connecting with uh, his teammates, I thought was fantastic. Um after the red card, uh, well, we should talk about the red card, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should talk about the red card. I wanted to just kind of get some some overall thoughts first out of the way because I think the red card is going to be a fairly lengthy conversation. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. I think the rest of the game shows um, – actually, what I wrote about this week for my column was uh, I think it shows the team can play without Kaká. It's not our opportune – you know, that's not the lineup we want to take out of the field. But when forced to – we had a lot of chances uh, created by Luke Bowden and Ramos. Um, the guys up through, through the middle were doing very, very well. Um, and, and Seb Hines and uh, uh, St. Ledger both had uh, 
vicious shots on goal, I'd say. Really, should both should have been probably been goals. Um, so I think if there's a takeaway from that second half, it's that our team can play without Kaká, even if we don't want to. Yeah. And now, Atnella had a really good uh, save on Seb Hines and touched it off the, the bottom of the crossbar, um, which kind of ruined things. But So it made up for when Tally Hall did it later in the game. Yeah. Uh, but, and Tally Hall had a great game. That was Tally Hall did have a great game. It's it'll be interesting to see this week, and we'll we'll get more on that later. But it'll be interesting to see this week without Kaká with all eleven men on the field because it's different to play from the beginning eleven men without Kaká than it is to play ten men where you're more in the defensive shell and you're going to get forward when you can, right. but you're not really not really trying to. Um, Orlando City did a nice job of. Uh, settling in after the halftime in a 4-4-1. They moved Carlos Rivas up top. They moved Pedro Rivero back on the left. They had their four midfielders and their four defenders in two blocks of four. Very organized um, with Tally Hall and, and Sean St. Ledger leading the way and keeping them organized and keeping them in shape. And, yeah, it was it, it actually seemed like they carried the play a little bit uh, as Ray also like, tried to adjust to the formation change. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's interesting. Some people say that, you know, it's hard to play against ten men. Other, and usually that's used in as excuse. Right. I mean, some people, some people say that uh, some people say it's harder to play against ten men. It shouldn't be harder to play against ten men. Uh, and and Coach Heath would tell you that, um, you know, that's that's exactly it. That's an excuse. It, it should be easier to play against ten men. And sometimes what happens is you take your foot off the gas. Sometimes what happens is you just don't mentally, you just don't adjust. Right. And um, you think, well, okay, it's just a matter of time. We'll break them down. But it it, it becomes it starts to weigh on you the longer you don't break them down. So um, then it just becomes like a battle against yourself. And you know, the guys went out on the road and they got a point in a very difficult situation. I think most of us would have taken a tie, uh, even with eleven men and Kaká on the field. Yeah. Uh, if you said that before the you know before the game, and certainly didn't really. You don't really know what you're going to get with Real Salt Lake, but you know at home at Rio Tinto they're very, very strong. They've only lost one match there this year. And, um, you know, so they bring back a point. But now we can get to that red card because it was the talking point of the entire night. And um, I really haven't met anybody online or seen, read anything where somebody said definitively straight red. Uh, for me, if you look at the play and what happens is you can tell Kaká gets a little frustrated with Javier Morales, yeah. and he comes at him from behind, and he shoulders him down to the ground. It's a foul. Probably it's a yellow card because it was a bit petulant. Uh, it's not a red card offense on its own. What happens is you see the stumble, and he steps either on or very nearly steps on Morales. It's hard to tell from the video. One angle, it looks like he definitely steps on him. The other angle, it looks like he didn't step on him. And either way, Morales doesn't even flinch or make any kind of gesture to it to to where you know that he got stepped on. And in this day and age, soccer players, especially Morales earlier in that game, they oversell everything. And he didn't oversell it. It was like he didn't feel it. And, and if you watch the back angle, you see that Kaká actually steps on the side of the ball and his foot kind of squirts off to the left and he comes down on his toes about as gingerly as you can fall. And... Um, you know, referee did pull out a yellow card. I don't care what he said after the match. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll call him a bald-faced liar to his, you know, right to his face if I see him. But he said that the assistant referee didn't affect his decision. So why did the decision to put the yellow card back in the pocket? And why was Eric Avila arguing with the AR about the call? 
He would have no reason to argue with the AR about the call if the referee's right in front of him like he was. Well, you know, one thing happened, and it all happened really fast, and I kind of went back and watched it again to kind of see if I saw what I saw. You know, one of the things that happens is a lot of these players, they run off to kind of avoid the yellow guard. Yeah. Um, and so Kaká ran off, if you notice that. He kind of runs well, off. Well, he walks. Avoids he the, uh, the referee. And you almost think that if he had just stayed there and gotten the yellow card, he would have been on the field at the end of the game. Um, just kind of like taking his medicine right, the, right out of the bat and, uh, and, and done that versus giving the, giving the ref, whoever he talked to, whatever he did, he changed his mind. We all know he changed his mind. We all saw the yellow yep. card to begin with. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, looking at the call, you know, the, the MLS replay, they did like a replay show with all the different fouls of the, of the week and the, kind of what they thought of them. You know, they thought it was right. a red card, but they didn't really add much commentary. They just said red card for me, and I left it at that. But the RSL Twitter feed and a number of other people said they weren't they they weren't convinced. So I think that's and even the RSL uh, I was watching on MLS Live, and mm-hmm. the, I was listening to RSL um, uh, feed. They weren't convinced of it as well. So I mean, it's hard to tell. I would say we've we've all watched it a dozen times now. I'm sure. Um, I don't see the – I would think his knee would be raised up to stamp down. It was more kind of, you know, kind of to, to put some, some uh, muscle into it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. He didn't well, do you, that. You've stepped, on, you've stepped on a bug before, right? Oh, yeah. Do you come down with your toes? No. <laughs> no. You come down with the heel is, you know, hard. Right. You come down, you come down and you mean business. It's, it's obvious when you're, when you're trying to do that and when you're not trying to do that. If you – See the video where he steps on the ball. There's absolutely no control he has over that foot when it comes down. Because the the foot comes down on the side of the ball. You've stepped on a soccer ball before, I assume. Well, a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a whole lot of control of where you come down? Not so much. No. So, I mean, it, granted, I don't think that the referee or the AR could see him step on the ball in live action. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think either of them could had that good a vision of the, know, of the play. The only thing I thought was, you know, you know, Orlando City did, chose not to uh, contest the call, to appeal the call right. and the red card. And the only thing I could think, because that seemed a bit strange to a lot of us, and we kind of all talked about it, but the only thing I think was that, that in a private meeting, a discussion with Kaká, he said, listen, I, I meant to do it. It was really, yeah, that was me. Because Kaká is a pretty genuinely nice and honest person. I could almost he see is. him saying, maybe I did mean to do that, and don't don't contest it because you know it was intentional. Um, that's my only that's a conspiracy theory because I was wondering why <laughs> why Orlando City would not appeal, even just appeal it just on the grounds of appealing it, you know. Well, here's why you don't do it. It takes time to do those things, and it takes time away from doing other things when you do those types of things, and no one wins those appeals ever. Right. Like ever, I mean, it's it's a hopeless case because here's what you got: you got someone from U.S. soccer, someone from Canadian soccer, and someone from you know the pro referees. Even if you convince Major League Soccer and Canada, or, or, or I'm sorry, U.S. and Canada, even if you convince both of them, the pro refs they stick together. They never ever ever admit that one of their right. did did something wrong. Right. You never see it. We we get I get these reports every week in my email. Such and such a red card upheld. Such and such a red card upheld. I've never seen one overturned. You know, um, I mean, I've played uh, football manager for about ten years and on a video game, and I've never had one appealed either. So <laughs> I can relate to it's, this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just basically why are we going to go through all this 
The other thing, too, is that MLS can, can come back and say, if, it, if we believe it's a frivolous appeal, right. we'll double the suspension. Right. And that's, that's a very real risk. Um, I don't think that this would have been a frivolous appeal by any means. But, it, you know, you see the thing, it says violent content, conduct. The run from behind, the shoulder from behind, not really what I would consider violent conduct. A hard foul, but, but not violent. You're right. But all Stoika has to do is say, no, it was for the original foul. That's all he has to say. Right. I, I deem the original foul to be violent conduct. That's all he has to say, and it's upheld. So I think what they did was they probably took all the video and weighed their options as like, okay, do we really have a shot at overturning this? Probably not a good shot. Okay, so let's just take our medicine and move on. Right, yeah. So he that's what I'm to be the guy who gave uh, Fakata's first red card, though. His <laughs> first straight well, red. <laughs> and let's face it, this this guy Stoika is is not long for this league if he continues the way he's going. He has seven a- matches, seven matches this year, five red cards given, and seventeen in twenty eight career MLS right. games. Right. Yeah. That's way too high of. I don't care what league you're in. That's way too high of a percentage. It it just ruins the game. It just it, and that game actually was was pretty entertaining up to the. It was actually a really point. good game. I thought it was. I thought it was good even after the red card. To be honest, I thought it was actually a pretty good game for Fourth of July and yeah. and I had friends over. It was actually a pretty entertaining night. So. Yeah, it was. It's just an unfortunate thing, and you know, there's nothing you can do about it at this point. So move on, and and you know, it, it just kind of ruins the game against Dallas too, because now you're without. So many players. We're already without Laren and Shea and Saren and Molino and who knows if Colin will be in the lineup. He's apparently going to be able to dress, but will he get on the on the pitch? We're not sure. Yeah. Uh, and now you got no Kaká. So really, you're you're going to be out there with a lineup of I'm going to guess at least four defensive midfielders by trade. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe they put Ribeiro or Rivas at that center mid. All right, joining us now to talk about Saturday night's game against FC Dallas is Ben Lyon with Big D Soccer. Ben, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing plaid dandy, as I said previously. <laughs> All right, Ben, we like your last name because we are the Lions. I figured you guys might enjoy that little uh, coincidence. Yeah, that's great. Right. So the first thing I have to ask you about is Fabian Castillo because every time I've seen FC Dallas, he pops off the TV screen. <laughs> he's dynamic. He's quick. He's, he darts. He gets around people. He's fast. He sometimes misses the net, sometimes drills the goalkeeper in the stomach. But he's always dangerous. Uh, what can you tell us about him and the form he's been in this year? Uh, he's been an exciting player. He's been with FC Dallas now for, like, this is like his fifth season. Um, mm-hmm. He came really young from Columbia. And, you know, you always saw the potential there. He was one of those players that was not only extremely fast, but didn't really slow down with the ball at his feet. Um, where he failed in his earlier years was that he would frequently take the ball to the inline without an idea of what he's was going to do with it once he got there and it ended up killing the attack just like that now you see you know an improvement in technique an improvement in the thought process not only in the speed but making the right decision and his shot placement has improved somewhat as well so uh he's you know going to probably end up double-figure goals, double-figure assists 
this year. Uh, I predicted that from the outset, and he he has taken another step forward from last year, where he you know was an exceptional player, and um, it's really going to be a good bellwether for uh, the quality of Bowden and uh, Ramos this week. You're going to know a lot more about your wingers after they get a taste of Mr. Castillo. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good segue because I, I watched some um, I watched some game footage uh, before we uh, signed on here today, and it was like a preview for a nightmare. Uh, y'all have a really really exciting attack. So, and I can promise you that no one in the organization probably listens to our podcast. How would you stop the <laughs> Dallas attack? What's oh, the weakness? Boy. What's the Achilles heel in your in, in Dallas attack? Well, you know, with Blas Perez out with the Gold Cup. Um, much like with Kyle Lahren being out of the Gold Cup, um, the pivot of the attack is kind of a step down. Um, to share, we signed him last year from uh, uh, the Dutch the Dutch league, and he never really has put his foot down and said that he really needs to be getting more regular minutes. Uh, you know, Seattle, I, he scored all three of his goals last year against Seattle in you know, a random uh, array of, of luck. And uh, aside from that, he was pretty much, uh, you know, a non-factor, much like this year. Uh, you know, he hasn't really shown a whole lot whenever uh, he, he gets some playing time. He did have two goal, two goals in the uh, U.S. Open Cup match against Oklahoma City Energy. Um, but that right there is an impairment. Like, it, it, it affects the way they're able to press teams. It affects how... Uh, the ball is held up to bring in Diaz and Castillo into the attack. Um, but that's pro- probably your best bet is to go ahead and uh, beat him up a little bit and, and, and take him out of the game early and make it essentially 10 and a half on 11. <laughs> and Diaz yeah, is so, a exciting player too. So tell us a little bit about, you know, we know who we're missing for the gold cup, you know, Laren and Saren, very, very integral parts to the team and, if Breck Shea wasn't hurt, he would be at the Gold Cup too, probably. I know you guys are missing, you know, Blas Perez. Who? What other regulars are out for this, uh, you know, next little bit? Well, uh, two first cho- choice wingers, uh, or at least that's how it would appear with the Perea selection this year. Uh, you've got Javon Watson. Um, you know, usually plays at the right back position. Uh, he moved there last year out of position, and quite surprisingly, after being something of the club pariah had a really good season at right wing and uh yeah has has been steady he's not he's not great or anything like that but he does have good recovery speed and he's got midfielder skills so he'll he'll be missed and then uh Moises Hernandez who's you know one of our vaunted homegrown players um you know he's gotten most of the looks at uh, left back this year after you know going out on loan uh, in Guatemala or excuse me I can't remember where it was. Yeah, it was Guatemala and then uh, Costa Rica. He, he came back uh, last year, really, really established himself, and now he's pretty much, pretty much a no doubt in ink uh, left back starter for the club. Um, he has kind of struggled a little bit lately, um, but you know that form you could really kind of spread that across the team, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact they're not a very good road team, and and you know they had to play five games on the road. So, for Orlando fans who are getting their first look at Dallas, uh, what would you say? Kind of, how would you define a team tactically and, and just in terms of like playing style? Well, the playing style actually it 
hypothetically is a possession based, you know, build from the back and uh, you know, get it get it to Mo Diaz and, and let him uh let him pull the strings. Um in practice now with Perez being out, uh, you might you might see uh more of the the attack rooted through Castillo. Uh ISO him wherever they can, switch wings and, you know, have him break down the defense that way because he he regularly like he leads the league in dribbles and it's not even close. Um, so I, I think what will probably happen is you know he'll 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 start out on the left probably up against Ramos and see how he he handles the challenge and you know thirty minutes in if if Ramos is holding it his own and you know good on you boys if that's the case then he'll probably flip over to the right side. I'm guessing Barrios will be on the other wing and he's really kind of a. a Fabian Castillo, like a diet Fabian Castillo, he's a little younger, <laughs> a little bit smaller, but he's also one of those players that's really, really fast and doesn't lose speed when he's on the ball. Um, he hasn't performed up until lately. Uh, you, you could say, you know, the, the platitudes about the difficulties of adjusting to the league, but it looks like he's starting to get it, and I'm excited for that just because one of the problems with Castillo in the attack is he'll usually get so far ahead that he's lacking for options. And now with Barrios coming in and, and starting to gain form a little bit, there could be on the cusp of becoming extremely scary. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see sort of um, how that, that battle matches up on, on Orlando's right side. I know that a lot of the time, uh, Eric Avila will drop back and, and do a lot of help for Ramos. And at other times they combat it by just having Ramos bomb forward. And like, you don't get to get forward because you're too busy, you know, worried about getting back for defending against Rafael Ramos. But uh, what do you see as the, the key matchup? I mean, obviously a red card happy referee last week kind of ruined uh, the, the one time you're going to get a chance to see Kaká this uh play against your team this year unless they meet in MLS Cup. Um, what what do you see as the, the key battle on the pitch? So I, w- I would say like the primary tactic for stifling Dallas's attack outside of, you know, knocking Teixeira around would be um, knocking Mo Diaz around. Uh, a lot of clubs, oh, probably in the last couple of months, just up, up, up this foul intake. Um, you know, we're big proponents of the uh, persistent infringement yellow card, and we don't see it much around here. Um, okay. So really how how the center midfield handles handles Diaz will be probably probably the best decider for you guys. Uh, most of the staff's predicting a win for FC Dallas this week, mainly because you guys are so depleted in attack, Kaká, Laren, Breck, all out. Um, but probably the best chance to succeed is to beat the hell out of Mauro Diaz. And, you know, if uh, your center mids are able to do that, that should probably be the best way to, to, to take FC Dallas, take the air out of FC Dallas's attack. So, yeah, I was just wondering with the transfer window opening today, uh, do you guys have any uh, previews in the, uh, who you might be picking up any, anywhere you can get some help? Uh, you know, we, we, we hear rumors at, at, at Big D on a regular basis. Uh, Diaby from Arsenal, the much injured defensive midfielder, uh, has been rumored to go with us. Uh, of course, the club denies everything. Um, at, at this point, 
probably nothing is really going to move the needle uh, around Frisco unless it's a big name, say Chicharito. And it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, kind of a vicious cycle. Uh, right now, a lot of the fan base is dissatisfied because, you know, we're not top of the pops and, and, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're, you know, a younger team. There's still a lot of a lot of players on this roster that aren't really close to their ceiling yet, um, and the fans are impatient about that. Uh, you know, they're seeing, you know, Orlando bring in a Kaká or L.A. bring in a Gerard or New York City bringing in a Pirlo, and they they want some of that action. And the fact of the matter is, we don't have, you know, this. 30,000 a game attendance that you guys have gotten. Let me tell you, that's pretty exciting. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the hunts aren't willing to splash the cash to, to bring in a big signing. So they're not going to get the attendance until, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're not going to get 30,000 a game until we get Chicharito in and they're not going to, pay for Chicharito until they get 30000 a game. It's a vicious, vicious cycle. Um, and we're finding out that Chicharito's kind of expensive. Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no, no doubt. And, like, around the league, most of the players that are coming in are, are drawing more for salary than they would, you know, if they stayed in their home leagues. Uh, I mean, I know Pirlo and Gio- Giovinco in particular, uh, like, they're the two highest-paid Italian players in the world now. Well, it's it's an interesting time to be a fan of, a, of an MLS team because we wouldn't have been having these discussions just a couple of years ago uh, about these players coming in and about the the rules changes that will allow a, a Dos Santos and a Chicharito to join the league and that kind of thing. So it's kind of an exciting time. And, uh, you know, with all the expansion money coming in, there should be some additions to the player pool that, that kind of excite people. Um Hey, we're we're just uh, you know we have a fan base that's kind of used to success and and they are not taking it well that the Chicharito news is not as positive as it was a week ago um, as we found out that he's asking for ten million plus a year plus the the Manchester United transfer fee of about twelve million it's going to kind of prohibitively make that not doable since he would cost twice as much as Kaká over the length of his contract so um, it. <laughs> it would be great to have a guy like that, especially with this team, since it's it's missing like some consistent attack, especially with Laren gone. And it's probably going to be a couple of good players rather than one superstar that, that come in here in Orlando anyway. So let's talk about those fan expectations a little bit. I, I, you guys had a pretty good run last year. Um, I, think, uh, I think you only lost... Uh, to Seattle by away goals, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, that's right. So, I mean, you guys took one of the, I mean, you took the Supporter Shield winner, uh, they could not best you on the scoreboard. They had to actually just use the fluky away goal rule to, to move on, and, uh, you know, based on that, I would expect that, you know, your fan expectations uh, there in Dallas are pretty high this year. Oh, sure, sure, and you would, you would think that attendance mirrored that, but no, it's actually gone down. You know, this was the first year that they hadn't sold out the Fourth of July game in five years. So, you know, you, you think your fans are are, <laughs> are are self-indulgent and spoiled? Well, you know, our fans can't even can't even chalk up for success. And actually, I got I got a theory about it. I'm going to probably 
run out an, an, an article here, uh, oh, either tomorrow or Thursday, that probably takes a little bit different spin uh, on, on, on why the attendance is so bad than, you know, it's in Frisco or what have you. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, uh, the, the expectations are, 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 are sky high for this team, and they, they were going into the season. And I think, you know, the fact that the form is mirrored you know, the last three years with, you know, a hot start, uh, a swoon from May to June. And, you know, now, at least unlike 2013, where they just stayed in the toilet until the end of August, you know, now at least it looks more like last season and it it should be a successful season. Well, it'll be interesting to see how how Dallas finishes out because at times they look like the best team in the league and at other times they don't look like a playoff team. Very wildly inconsistent uh group and it's it's kind of head scratching cuz <laughs> there's so much attacking quality there and and uh, obviously good goalkeeping and all of that so it's it's a little bit of a head scratcher when you see you know like the Sporting KC uh match uh, not too long ago and then that kind of thing and losing 3-0 and then coming back and winning 4-0 and <laughs> it's just like the pendulum swinging and it's got to be uh like riding a roller coaster uh, for the fans, oh, oh, but, um, oh, sure, and like I don't, I don't think the stand, the fans typically take into consideration that it's a very young team and mm-hmm. we're a little soft in the middle. So uh, those those are, are two things that will lead to some pretty pretty wild variations in in form and and the scoreboard. So, well, before we let you get out of here, Ben, and we appreciate your time. Uh, you know, and thank you for coming on. We need to get your prediction uh, for what's going to happen Saturday night. We always put everybody on the spot, and we make our predictions at the end of the show, and we're always wildly wrong. So, uh, And we say that up front, so we let people know. These are predictions. They're not going to be right, but they're predictions nonetheless. So what do you got Saturday night? Yeah, well, I'm, I, I've predicted for uh, for the uh, website a 2-0 FC Dallas victory. Um and again, it, it it revolves around the fact that you, you you're losing three primo international players uh, this week, and you know nobody nobody in the league outside of maybe LA can really can really do that and expect to be be successful. Um, you know, as as for FC Dallas, I mean, yeah, they're missing Perez, but um, right now the 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 attack beats around. Fabian Castillo and Mauro Diaz, and they're they're both in good form. So, um, hate hate to break it to you guys, but I, I don't <laughs> I don't I don't see your fans being being particularly happy leaving the Citrus Bowl on Saturday night. Well, we hope you're wrong about that, and we hope Seb Hines drops a hat trick on you, uh, offset pieces. <laughs> hey, <laughs> strange, strange stranger things have happened. That's that's true, and a lot of strange things have happened at the Citrus Bowl this year. It's uh, it was a place we couldn't win, and now it's, a, it's become sort of a fortress in the last month or so. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens on Saturday. But Ben Lyon from Big D Soccer, thanks so much for coming on with us and, and hanging out and and you know being uh, being a cool good sport with us. And uh, we'll we hope to talk to you again uh, in the not too distant future. Hey, hey, not a, not a problem. It was a pleasure, and uh, just know that you're you're. Uh, bustling attendance is uh, is the envy of everybody in Frisco right now. Um, very excited you guys have entered the league with such a such a flash. It's uh, it's good to see. Well, thanks, and um, we hope that continues uh, Saturday night without Kaka. <laughs> <laughs>
Ten four on that. All right, Michael, Kevin, good to talk to you. Take care, Ben. All right, we'll see ya. Okay, well, joining us now here on the Mainland Podcast is our very own Louisville City FC correspondent, Jeff Milby, live from Louisville. Well, not live by the time you listen to this, but he's live while we're talking to him. Jeff, how you doing? Oh, I am terrific. How are you? I'm doing great. And obviously, you know, we've got a lot to talk about because, you know, the the big story came out obviously last week about um, Orlando City is going to be uh, cutting the affiliation, changing it to a partnership of some sort with Louisville and going to be fielding its own USL team here locally in Central Florida next year. And I wanted to get you on the podcast because I wanted to sort of get the reaction of the typical Louisville fan on the street, you know, and, and then maybe give me, you know, some of the things that you've heard people say about this. Well, the the, the typical fan reaction of, of people in the know um, has been sort of a mixed bag. There's been a lot of negative hate for Orlando, uh, which makes sense because it's sort of like we, we feel like we're being left at the curb or something like that. But uh, like the, the official club reaction has been that it's a good thing. That's been the way they've tried to twist it, that, um, you know, even though we're not going to be affiliated with Orlando anymore, that there's still the partnership. We can still lean on them. And, and I've, I've actually heard this, uh, in, at, you know, at, at games and stuff like, Hey, they could still loan us a player, which is totally bogus. Cause why would they? But, um, most fans, I, th- I think the, the biggest thing is that uh, Louisville sort of loses a little credibility with non-soccer fans because it's a lot easier to sell this as, uh, hey, we're the minor league affiliate of a, ma- a major league team to mm-hmm. who aren't familiar with the situation. And now that, that they sort of lose that, which I, I'm not sure how detrimental it'll be because I think you know they're off to a really great start in terms of attendance and, and notice um, throughout the city. But I, we'll see how um, that sort of affects them in the next couple of years, uh, whether or not the lack of an affiliation with Orlando or any other MLS team sort of can, it muddles the situation for people for trying to attract new soccer fans. Well, that's interesting. because I, I almost would think in, in some ways it would be almost better for Louisville because you kind of can stand on your own and say, you know, we're our own club and, you know, we don't answer to anybody or, or anything like that. So it's, it's interesting that's the, that's the take so far. Well, I, I agree with you there. And I think that's the, the stance that the club is taking is that it's, it's, hey, that we're, we're our own team. Because that was also one of the misconceptions was that as, you know, as a minor league affiliate that we, you know, all of it was, people thought of it as a baseball situation where all of the Louisville players would be Orlando players, which is hardly the case, obviously. Um, so it's, it's definitely a good thing in that respect. They sort of have their own feet to stand on now, um, in the public eye. But still, I, I, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's so easy to say, yeah, we have a third division soccer team when no one understands soccer for the most part in this town, including media people. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, it just it changes it changes the equation for for making this thing successful. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the negative uh, sort of the negative statements made online from from some of the Louisville fans, and I I don't blame anybody for being sort of hurt, sort of you know, it, it being broken up with and that kind of thing. It's like. You know, you always want to be wanted. That's the yeah, human that's, human that's exactly, nature. Yeah, that's exactly. But obviously, nobody wants uh, Louisville to have success more than the you know the staff in the front office of Orlando City because there's so many so many close relationships, so many ties, and including an ownership stake. Obviously, they want the, the club to be successful. The problem, uh, 
from, you know, the perspective down here is obviously that there was no way to realistically get players to Louisville this year with so many injuries and international call-ups. You just needed bodies just for training. Yeah, like I, I don't think from an Orlando perspective, I think that what they're doing is the best I, the best decision they could make because uh, we've talked about this a little bit about how Louisville wasn't necessarily ready to take on Orlando players just writ large. Like they they didn't want to mm-hmm. have players that they didn't want to play on the team. Like for instance, Sidney Rivera has sat out the last two games just as a coach's decision, which from an Orlando perspective they wouldn't want. They want Sidney playing every week. And so, you know, from Orlando side, it's the, it's the perfect situation. You get, you get your players in practice with, with the, the first team guys and they get to play competitive, meaningful soccer games every week. Um, but that's the thing with the, with Louisville was that Louisville wasn't ready to, to just be whatever Orlando wanted them to be. They sort of had their own idea of how they, you know, because they, they want to win. Winning is very important to them. And so with, mm-hmm. with a guy like Matt Fondy, who's, uh, second in the league in goals right now, it's kind of hard to put get Sydney on the field unless it was just a a mandatory situation where it was part of his deal that he had to play or something like that. And again, you don't want to be in a position where you've got to play certain players if you've got a guy who's doing very very well already. Yeah, absolutely. That's 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 the main issue for uh, for Louisville. If they were, I, I, like, I'm not sure what the what the details of the agreement that Sydney uh, is on. But obviously, there's no you know mandatory playing time. Otherwise, he would have been playing the last two weeks. Yeah, it's you know we're always going to have that soft spot in our hearts for for Louisville City because they were there at the beginning when when you know we became an MLS club and they were there and, and our affiliate and our partner and all of that and and you know James O'Connor being there and Brian Burke being there and you know the the year that um, and and let's you, let, let, let's be real here if it weren't for Louisville, you guys would have never met me, and that's something that should be awesome. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm such right. an awesome part of your life, you know. And I will, I will say this: that Jeff is not going away with this with this new USL team. Jeff is going to continue to do our power rankings as he does so well every week, uh, and then we'll probably try to find some other things for him to do as well. But we really appreciate actually all of your efforts because you know we needed boots on the ground in Louisville, and you stepped up really early on in the in the uh, the whole process. And, you know, you've developed really good relationships with that front office staff very quickly and, and, and has really been a help to our readers and, and the people that want to know, you know, what's going on down on the farm, so to speak. That's one of the things that was really um, cool for me when I first hooked up with you guys was that there, like, there is no infra- infrastructure for this right now. So it was really it was really easy, frankly, to get in and, and get involved and. Uh, be a participant in the whole situation. So uh, you know, it's, it's been it's been awesome for me. The, the access that that hooking up with you guys has granted me has been great. So I'm super thankful for that. Obviously, well, I think Jeff's been around as long as I've been. So <laughs> it was it was back in like October, I think, or, yeah. or maybe November when whenever I jumped on board. And we weren't even on we weren't even on SB Nation yet. We were still just a little a free WordPress site. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it it has been really cool. But I mean, that's the cool thing about the USL is that you know you they're really happy to have you know people talking about them, and they're really happy to have coverage of all kinds. And and they're not um, you know they're not major leagues, so they're not real uppity about it. And you know you can actually make friendships and and you know just get 
get these things developed and to where you can call them up or text them and say, hey, you know, what's going on with the team? And they can respond to you. Once they get to that next level, once they get to the, you know, reach the, the MLS level, there's so many more drags on their time. There's there's international media. There's, you know, people, there's like 7,500 outlets in Brazil that want to talk about Kaká on a daily basis. And it's like, it's really a lot harder to get through to them. And like, you know, we we got through to them a lot better before they became an MLS club too. So um, it, it's really a cool thing. And, and, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot of charm to being part of a minor league organization and, and, and to, uh, to supporting a minor league organization. We had, when I, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, we had the Clippers and they were our baseball team. You know, we had some people in central Ohio, like the Reds and some like the Indians, but we all liked the Clippers and it was really cool to, you know, go to the games and, and be there and follow up. The, the players were very, you know, you know, no egos. They'd come and chat with you and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's a whole different atmosphere in a lot of ways. But that said, I know Louisville at some point down the road will will test the waters and see if maybe an but, MLS future is right for them. That's what I was going to uh, sort of, not to change the conversation, but ask you guys, because I, I think I'm too close to the situation, like, in, in my heart to have a rational look at it. Because like I'm I'm worried like so what are, what do you think our MLS chances are from an outsider perspective I mean obviously they're they're doing really well in the fee, or in in the stands they had eight thousand for the Fourth of July game they're second in the USL in attendance but like the pessimistic side of me the 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 Louisville sports fan in me thinks that there's no way they're going to give us a team because we've never gotten a, a chance in the big leagues before in any other sport. I think it's uh, I think it's a tricky question because there's two two things you're looking at. Number one, attendance is the most important uh, stat in American soccer. It's what everyone looks at constantly. And I think that you're doing very, very well. I think you need to have a couple of those really surprising games where you bring in, you know, 16 or 17 for, for a big, you know, a big event or uh, for um, the playoffs. But at the same time, I think the problem you guys are going to have is that there's kind of a logjam in terms of potential with Sacramento. San Antonio, you know, Jacksonville all of a sudden looks really, really good. Um, you've got a couple of, you know, other places that look really good and not that many positions open at this point. So I like the idea of Louisville. I think I like the idea of, of MLS going to a place that, that really doesn't have anything else going on yet in terms mm-hmm. of major league and, uh, and stepping in and, and, and really kind of bringing some like that. I think it'd be fantastic for the league. Uh, another Southern team, which would also be good. Um, not the deep South, but we'll still count you. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I think I think it'd be a fantastic addition. But I think, you know, the, the, the pessimism is probably not unheard of because of that log jam of places like Sacramento. Um, you know, Oklahoma City has done pretty well. OK. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, San Antonio looks really good, too, right now. So in terms of attendance. And it's not just that, really, either. It's it's also in that very region. There's there's options that MLS will be looking for because of the. Because the market size, they would probably like to see an Indianapolis. They would probably like to see a St. Louis. You know, the I mean, you know, I don't think people necessarily equate Louisville with the Midwest, but it's really in that region, and, and I think that that's an area in the middle of the country that's that's untapped. And I think I, I think television market size is really for me the biggest the biggest thing that that MLS will have a, an issue with. I think I was thinking about this on my drive today about. Um, so in, in terms of the NFL, there's a team in Indianapolis, a team in Cincinnati, and a team in St. Louis, and a team in Nashville, which 
historically are all sort of regional rivals to Louisville. And particularly between the Colts and the Bengals in Indianapolis and Cincinnati, they sort of fight for Louisville fans. Like we, if, if you talk to most NFL fans in Louisville, they're either Colts or Bengals fans. And so I'd like with with Indy 11 being successful and there's been we there was something in in line length the other day about Indy potentially being an MLS landing spot. Cincinnati's going to get a USL team next year. I'm not sure if that's official but that's definitely happening. That's that's been the word around camp. Um and I I just don't again maybe this is because I'm too close to the situation but I just don't see why if if especially given Indy's success why they MLS would look our way. Not that we're not doing well like as I said but you know, it's just. I think the other thing I, I'd tell you too is that Orlando wasn't on the map either. You know, we weren't on the map. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, you got to make them look. <laughs> so, yeah. I suppose so. So before we let you get out of here, Jeff, um, wanted to just get a quick update. Uh, obviously, hasn't played in the last couple games, but what kind of form has uh, Orlando City drafty Sidney Rivera been in this year? How has he looked? What kind of future do you think he's got? Well, I've gotten to see him quite a bit now. The last time I talked to you guys, it was still pretty early on. But he's definitely big and strong and physically looks the part of of a good forward. Um, the the questions I've had about him, granted he's only ever uh, started one league game and, and a game in the U.S. Open Cup, so he hasn't gotten too much run for a full game out there. But one of the, one of the things that I've noticed about him is perhaps he, he could improve his hustle a little bit. I know that sounds... Maybe uh, like I'm being hard on him, but the thing I think one of the big factors that Matt Fondy has in his favor is that he just works his tail off every game, and he's always he's always chasing balls, always running down defenders, everything he can do to to be a nuisance basically. And I I think Sydney could improve there, but he he definitely has the the physical gifts that you would want from an MLS player, and I think he definitely has the attitude you'd want. He's a very when you talk to him, he's a very confident self-assured young man, but um, I'm not sure that, I, and, and I'm sure he's working on these things. This is, I'm, I, I don't doubt his work ethic off, you know, outside of games and in practice, but just sort of that professional attitude of I'm going to work as hard as I can to do as much as I can. Like, for instance, in the indie game in the U.S. Open Cup, uh, he sort of, he, he, he was open and the ball should have gone to him at one point and during one sequence, and it didn't, and he sort of threw a hissy. And I, I made a little mental note about like, come on, dude. Like, I mean, I understand he was open, and the correct play was to go to him at the time, and we all said it in the box to her, to each other. But he like he ran down the it was Nate Pollock uh, who didn't make the pass, and he ran him down and like took a slug at him. Kind of, it, it wasn't really a punch, but he, he like was exasperated and, and upset. So, in the long run, I think there's definitely potential with him, and. Um, I just uh, he uh, he still has things he can work on I think and that, uh, maybe that sounds overly critical but that's just that's the, that's the way I feel about it. No, no, I mean we want an honest assessment. You know that's that's the thing with young players is that they have to they have to learn to be professionals. I mean he's he's been a kid, he's been in college, and now he's got to learn to be a professional, and that's all part of it. And uh, you know it's I think in some sports you would just assume that you're going to minor leagues first, and that's not always the case necessarily with with soccer, but you know. That's where he finds himself, and that's where he's going to have to learn to be a professional because if you don't get it at that level, you're never going up to the next level. So uh, we look forward to seeing how he develops. I mean, you know, wasn't drafted real high, and those guys usually don't even hang around. So I think it's a testament to him and his ability and his 
potential that, that you know Orlando wanted him to stick around and, and didn't just cut him like they did with Akil Barrett. Um, but uh, Jeff Milby, our Louisville City FC correspondent, really uh, appreciate you coming on, giving us an update, giving us the, the fan on the streets reaction there to the, the big news of last week. And we will, of course, uh, be getting your missives all the rest of this season on Louisville City and our power rankings, which are very, very popular, and uh, we do appreciate you doing that. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Good to talk to you guys again. Take care, Jeff. All right, yeah. thanks, Jeff. All right, so you know, Kevin, this is just about a podcast. But before we get out of here, there's a couple more things we want to talk about. Just want to get your final thoughts on Real Salt Lake, and you know, sort of happy with the win. Not happy or draw. Not happy with the draw. Think we could have won the game with Kakad stayed in. You know, what were your overall impressions as that game ended? Yeah, I think that you know we we kind of said it earlier that we all probably were thinking we'd hope for a draw on the road. Uh, I think you're almost always hope for to get some points on the road at this point, and we did that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm satisfied. I think I'm pretty satisfied. I'm probably more satisfied with the fact that we got to look at some players, look at the way some players can play in a system that doesn't revolve around a really, really exciting player named Kaká, and to see how yeah. some other players can do some things, those kinds of things are going to become very, very important as the season wears on. We're still, in the, we're still in the U.S. Open Cup. We're still in the playoff spot. We have a lot more soccer to play this season. We have a lot more soccer to play. And I don't think this will be Kaká's last game he's missing. Um, I think he'll, you know, something will probably pop up again for him. I'm hoping another red card, but something else, you know, <laughs> things like that happen a lot. Um, so I think it's important for this club to know what it can do on its own without one of the best players in the world, you know, lining up with them. Yep. The training wheels are off. Um, I'm assuming I know who your man of the match was. I know who mine was. Uh, I would say Tally Hall. I don't know where you stand on man of the match. For last week. <laughs> well, as, as you edited out of my uh, player ratings, I did not even want to give anyone an option besides Tally Hall, uh, <laughs> for the, uh, for the vote. So really, I felt like some, there was some good play from a lot of players. Um, I certainly think a lot of players, the back line especially, I thought all had a really, really good game. Mm-hmm. But Tally Hall was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and he was, you know, we, we should mention he was named uh, FIFA 15's uh, in a player of the week right now. And uh, that's a big deal because he means he's the best player in the world, essentially, last week. Yeah, so. yeah he's on the FIFA, all FIFA um, 15 EA Sports team for the week. So yeah. congratulations, to Tally Hall. And Tally Hall didn't make the All-MLS or MLS Team of the Week, but he is on the bench. Uh, he didn't make the starting 11, and Seb Hines made the, uh, the starting 11 for uh, – and that's pretty hard for a defender to do because they always cheat and go with three in the back on right, the MLS do, Team of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> they love their scorers at MLS. I, you know, you can tell who the MLS Player of the Week is going to be by whoever had the hat trick or whoever right. had two goals. Right. So, <laughs> there's not much nuance it, in that vote. <laughs> no, there's not. It's, it's completely, uh, you know – obvious who's going to get those uh, those votes so um anyway so yeah tally hall's our man of the match i think that was pretty obvious that he had a game that was like a, a cut above uh, everybody else although I, I also think that the back line was was pretty spectacular in uh in helping snuff out a wave after wave of rsl attack after the you know i thought that I was really actually surprised. I thought orlando city looked a little sluggish was moving the ball a little slowly in the first half of that game it allowed RSL to get on the front foot a bit, and then um, you know the red card changed the game, and then the second half it was kind of even play for a while until 
Orlando wore down in the altitude. A little bit of altitude out there, late start. Uh, I thought about the 65th minute, it started to look like the guys were getting gassed. And from that point on, it was kind of like, can we repel all of the attacks? Can we keep them from getting that final ball uh, into a dangerous spot? And and, uh, Hall came up with a few big saves and and uh you know got it done so uh now we look ahead to dallas on saturday we of course we we talked to ben lyon from big d soccer and we thank him for his participation but what do you kevin mercer look for on saturday well you know like i like i told told ben i was watching some game tape of uh of um dallas and they look absolutely he was humble they look absolutely fantastic in the attack um uh, Diaz especially looks dangerous um, almost constantly. I mean, really, the way they, when they, they, they touch the ball, it, it starts to look dangerous. I think you're going to see Luke Bowden and Ramos really challenged this week. Um, they're going to get challenged um, more than they have been probably this whole season. Um, but I don't think, you know, I also didn't think that Dallas's defense is that good. Um, that, that they certainly let in a lot of good, of good opportunities from, from New England last week. Um, didn't let anybody in, but it certainly let a lot of good opportunities happen. Um, so I think there's chances for us. Um, I think that they've, you know, they've got a high octane offense, but they don't have a strong defense. So I think that we certainly we're going to have some chances, but it's going to be a hard game for us. Um, we're going to hope the heat and the crowd um, help us win the day because it's going to be a long day, I think. <laughs> All right, so... You know, Ben said two nothing, and uh, it'll drop later in the afternoon. In the intelligence report, uh, we talked to a different writer from from Big D Soccer. He predicted three nil to Dallas. So, what are your thoughts on the score line? Give me your uh, always almost certain to be wrong prediction. We're going to give you our our uh, why do we even bother type predictions now. You know, I I've been thinking about this since I was watching that game tape earlier. I'm trying to figure out what my prediction was going to be, and I think. If we can stop their attack, which I'm not sure we can, if we can stop their attack, I think we can pull out a 0-0 tie. I don't know where our goals are going to come from, um, and I think our only our only success comes if we can just stop them a little bit. So, mm-hmm. so that's my prediction: is 0-0. All right, fair enough. A lot of people not thinking that Orlando is going to score this week. My prediction is going to be 1-1. I don't think we can stop Dallas and keep a clean sheet, but I think that the you know. Tally Hall's kept two two straight clean sheets at the Citrus Bowl. The team overall has played much, much better team defense uh, than we probably could have even expected, uh, especially since Hall has taken over as the starting keeper. And I think we're just going to get one somewhere along the line. I just I don't know if it's Carlos Rivas or Pedro Ribeiro. Both of them have the opportunity to strike even from distance. Uh, so I, th- I think somehow Orlando City can scratch a goal out and the they're probably going to also concede one. Uh, I think you get through the game without your captain and talisman and big toe and all the other things that you want to call Kaka uh, with a one-one draw. But those those are our almost certain to be wrong. Why are we even bothering with this predictions for Saturday night's match? <laughs> uh, we also want to thank Jeff Milby from Louisville for uh, stopping by the podcast this week, giving us an update, and um, always good to hear from Milbs. And uh, we'll hear from him, you know, periodically throughout the season. We are not turning our back on our friends up in Louisville. That's for sure. Our purple pals up there. Um, but Kevin, any any final thoughts on life without Kaká? 
it's going to be a, a very, very interesting day. I know a lot of fans uh, come to the Citrus Bowl this week and on summer vacations and things to see Kaka. They'll be disappointed. Um, but, you know, and, and listen, listen to your prediction. It sounds, you know, you, do, you bring some good points. And kind of like my column alluded to, this is a game we need to figure out who our new heroes are going to be. Um, someone else needs to step up. And I think there's a lot of talent on this team that can. They just wonders who, I wonder who it's going to be this week. So... Yeah, you never know. I mean, somebody could, you know, bank one in off a defender or or maybe, you know, somebody winds up, you know, in a spot they're not normally in. A guy like Christian Higuita always seems like a guy who, you ne- he's going to score a goal at some point. You never know when that's going to be. Yeah, I think Higuita and um, Eric Avila both, like, are just do a goal, I think, sometimes. They, they work hard and, and they get in the right position, but they I think they defer sometimes too much to, to Kaká or somebody else, and I think that they're do a goal. And of course, Rivas can, as he's proven recently, he can he can tear one up from from pretty far away as well. So that's right. Uh, but it was it was just uh, you know interesting to 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 hear your thoughts on that, and it, it'll be really cool to see what happens with uh, life without Kaká. And uh, yeah, it'll be it will be interesting to see. They won't have that one guy that they feel like they have to pass to, so it might even open things up. You never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, in this in this situation, so but we'll find out Saturday. That's why they play the matches, um, <laughs> and we're going to all be at the Citrus Bowl for that for FC Dallas and Orlando City. Uh, Seven thirty start time. Seven thirty. All right, and uh, you know, so good luck with the tailgating. You know, be sure guys to to look at the Pride Pub. Uh, post on our site to make sure what beer you should be drinking and what you should be eating for your tailgate parties, and because uh, that's always a big thing, <laughs> you got to make sure we're, you we're do that. We're gonna have a big one this this week. Actually, we're we're going big this week. So, oh good, good. go big or go home. So um, anyway, that'll do it for us. There was something else I was gonna ask you about. And I've totally <laughs> forgotten what it was now. It's hilarious. Uh, but yes, uh, that'll do it. Um, thanks again to Ben Lyon. Thanks to Jeff Milby. And uh, on behalf of Kevin Mercer, I'm Michael Citro from the mainland uh, saying, uh, you know what? And I should probably tell you, you can, uh, if you, if you get this on iTunes, we are at themainland.com. That's T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D.com. And also we are at the mainland on Twitter. So follow us there as well. And please like us on Facebook. Uh, so uh, for Kevin Mercer, I'm Michael Citro saying go city. Go city.